It doesn't matter. Girls always worry about what they look like. Guys yeah. don't give a shit. That's not true. I put on pants for this. Welcome to Maker's Hustle, a podcast about turning your passion into a profession. This is episode 57 for Monday, September 11th, 2017. I'm Bill Lavolsi, and I'm here with Amy Davis-Roth. Hey, Amy. Hey. And Jeffrey Moore. Hey, Jeff. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Jeff's not with us this week. Yeah. Because he has decided that he is going to cram all of life's most important events into one week. And he is buying a house and getting married. So he couldn't be with us this week. Yeah. But we have somebody so wonderful that I absolutely adore. So we have Michelle Banks with us, who goes by Artologica online. And she's an amazing artist, an amazing maker. And she's also my travel buddy this year for two really awesome events that we're doing. And we can talk about that a little bit later in the show. Hi, Michelle. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So before we get started, I'm going to take a moment to thank everybody on Patreon for supporting the show and making all this possible. Thank you all very much. <laughs> thank you. Thanks, patrons. You're awesome. You are so awesome. Uh, if you would like to support the show, you can check us out at patreon.com slash makershustle. So uh, what's everybody working on this week? And I'm going first because I don't want to feel like I have a lot to measure up to, and I okay. never do. Um, okay, not nothing. the tape measure. I did nothing, nothing? this week. No. What do you mean you did nothing? Okay, That's so impossible. Um, around here, we have one car between the two of us, okay? Uh -huh. And my wife had jury service earlier this week, which yeah. means I drove her to the courthouse, which is across town, and then it didn't make sense to drive all the way home when she could be dismissed any minute. So I just hung out for two days. That's so <laughs> And that kind of that kind of killed the week. That's so sweet of you. I can walk uh, to jury duty. I can literally... The courthouse is within walking distance of my house. Well, it's... um You know, Spoiled. I'm not sorry I did it because yeah. I don't want her to have to wait around. Hey, we got dismissed and then have to wait an hour and a half for me to make it all the way across town. Yeah. But it kind of sucked. I just sat yeah. there a lot. Yeah. But that was my week. Drag. Yeah, it was a drag. That's okay, though. I'm home now. Amy, how about you? So I have been really depressed... And in order to deal with that, I started a series of paintings that are all about escaping this galaxy. And it has cheered me up so much, I can't even express it. So I started a whole series of watercolor paintings on rocket ships and planets. And they're all these sort of sci-fi, you know, spacescape pieces that I just, I keep, I keep making them and I can't stop. And I have like this little production thing going on in my window in the house it's also been really hot here and it was really really smoky because the entire state was on fire and so i had oh, to stay yeah. inside because yep. i have asthma and yeah i couldn't breathe so it was really bad and i was taking too much asthma medicine and i was getting the shakes and acting weird but other than that i got really inspired and so i started doing all these spacecape scenes and i've been thinking about it and I, i'm like basing them all on like the idea that there's all these earth-like planets out there and there are billions and billions and billions of different planets that could be in existence. And so if you think about it, any planet that you can imagine probably exists in some form or another in our universe. And that's like sort of this really fun kind of mind-blowing idea for an artist that anything that you put down on paper, like whatever, 
I mean, within reason, obviously. Like, I would have to stay within the parameters of certain kinds of atmospheres and certain types of materials. But in terms of, like, size and color and things like that, I can really go kind of crazy. And in the back of my head, I can be like, this might actually exist out there somewhere. And so it's been really fun to, you know, create these. It's been this, like, mental escape for me like the cool quietness of space I don't know it's so beautiful and it's it's really cheered me up and it made me so happy so I've been working on that and then I'm of course getting ready for Geek Girl Con which is going to be in a couple weeks and after that I have two events that I'm doing with Michelle that we can talk about later and I'm working on that and I've got a bunch of custom orders all of a sudden which is really great so I'm doing that and uh, yeah basically trying to stay cool the heat wave here finally broke they finally put out the fire that was the closest one to me so it's uh, really improved the air quality and my state of mind so so yeah that's what I've been working on yeah I do uh, I remember a few years back we had a major fire out here and it was snowing ash like yeah I left work one day I was like it's snowing but no it was ash yeah and everything smelled like smoke and you know yeah. the it was it's, like partially blotting out the sun it felt really apocalyptic everything's and orange yeah it, it did that here it, it rained ash and <sighs> it was really really horrible and and now the aftermath of it just like looking around my office and everything is covered in like the, a thick layer of like soot like there's like yeah. dirt on all of the blinds and everywhere even in the house even though I, I kept myself locked inside the little house that i have it's like there's like the you can see on the mirrors and on all the windows there's just like dirt and it literally looks like an ashtray like if you walked outside my back wow. door cause I have to, yeah I have to go from my back door to my art studio and that's like outside and you look down and all the cracks in the sidewalks and stuff is just filled with ash still because it was supposed to rain and it didn't here it like rained around us but it didn't actually rain at my house so yeah it's gross so now I'm going to spend the next week like cleaning everything because it's really weird and awful but yeah, <laughs> Michelle, what have you been well, working I've on? I've actually had a pretty quiet, productive week here. So, nice. you know, nothing was flooded. Nothing was on fire. It's been kind of good. Um, and I actually, well, one of the ways that I make money is doing art festivals. Mm-hmm. And I amazingly enough had two really successful ones in a row. So, oh. you great! you know, on the plus side, that means I have some money. And on the minus side, that means that I have, you know, very little uh, inventory and I've got a whole bunch more events coming up so mm-hmm. you know it means I have to paint so I don't make prints uh, I just sell original paintings so it basically means you know if I sell one I have to make another one which is a great problem to have because you know yeah the, paint, could... the painting is the fun part well f- for one thing I want to do those events with you next year because Michelle is a genius about what events to do like anytime she tells me to do anything I do it she's my muse right now <laughs> In fact, one of the pictures I sent into... I, I'm not entirely sure it would be worthwhile for you to come across the country to do these, but, you know, know. Some, of the, some of the big ones, maybe. It might, it might be. But uh, one of the pictures I sent to Bill, because every week before we do the podcast, I text him a bunch of photos. I'm like, this is what I've been working on, mostly to help me remember what I've been working on, but also to, you know send pictures and one of them is I organized all of my paints and that was because of Michelle too because she had posted some picture of her watercolor paints all organized beautifully in cult like 
by color and I was so inspired by that that I did the same thing and it has changed my workflow immensely. I went to the Japanese dollar store, which I'd never been to, and they have better stuff than the American dollar store, just in case you're wondering. And <laughs> one of the things that they had, yeah, weird, and it's cleaner and more organized. Okay, so I got this little, you know, little plastic thing and I organized all my watercolors just like Michelle because I want to be like her. <laughs> it was actually, I mean, it's kind of pathetic because, I mean, I have been a professional artist for 15 years and for most of that time, I had all my paints in the lid of a shoebox. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was about time that I did that too. So that was a good move and I'm glad it inspired you to do the same. But yeah, exactly. uh, yeah it, was, it was a long time coming. So... Tell us a little bit about what kind of art you actually make and what you do and how you make a living. So what is it? What kind of art that you make for people that don't know you? I know all these answers, but our listeners So uh, most of my work is based in watercolor. Um, a lot of it is just plain old watercolor paintings, and it's all inspired by science. So I do a lot of pictures of things like uh, mitosis, you know, cell division. I... Um, I'm very interested in the microbiome, so I do a lot of viruses and bacteria, and I also love brain cells. So, I mean, I say science, but I mean most of it is really biology, uh, specifically kind of microbiology, but also some neuroscience. And whereas, you know, I feel like you're working, you get into more like you know, like rockets and stuff like that. <laughs> I and, jump around a lot. Yeah, I definitely yeah, jump around cool. from I genres. Mean, yeah. I like all of science, so. So mostly I, I find myself really inspired by microscopic things. Um, and people ask me all the time why I do that, because I really have no science background. Um, What's my next and, question? Yeah, did you study it, science? Did you go to school I did not. For I did not study science. Did I you have study a degree art? In, nope. No? <laughs> no, my career doesn't make any sense at all. So. Well, this is your show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a degree in political science, and I had, you know, every intention of going to work in Washington in some way or another, you know, like, at a serious job. And um, I ended up doing a bunch of different things that kind of took me in other directions, but um, I did end up, I, I had a real job. I was a management consultant, and I, I worked in Europe for, like, six years. And then I just, I really kind of burned out. Uh, and and some at some point during that process of burning out uh, the artistic side of me, which I guess had just been carefully hidden all those years, started to come out. And I started working on different projects. And one of the things that I did was, like, I, I covered my cubicle in pictures, you know. So it was, and it took me a really long time after I stopped being a consultant to realize that that was what I was doing. Was like I was using this kind of repetitive imagery and there was something that I wanted to do artistically but I didn't see it as that for a long time so so I was an abstract painter for quite a few years and I sold my work at mostly at festivals but sometimes at galleries um I I don't know I eventually feel like I got into a rut where I was I was doing okay but I wasn't getting up to the next level um uh, and about uh, 2010, I I was asked to be, or actually, I kind of begged to get into. I shouldn't lie, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
there was a uh, a project that was started by the people from Make and from Boing Boing. They got together and did a thing called Maker's Market, uh, which was considered, I mean, I guess the way that they pitched it was sort of Etsy for nerds. So they wanted people who were doing cool, nerdy stuff that was handmade. And according to them, they, they argued a lot about me because I was more of a fine artist. And that's, you know, it, rather than, I guess, what they were picturing in their mind as makers. Uh, but they eventually decided to give me a shot. So that was really great for me because it sort of focused my art in on the kind of, you know, they, they told me, make it as nerdy as possible. So yeah. it was just okay. a good push for me. <laughs> yeah, you know, to no like really, really focus in on the sciencey stuff. And so I, I did focus in on that. And um, through that little project, which unfortunately only lasted six months, um, my work was featured on both Make and Boing Boing, which both have, you know, huge audiences. So yeah. that kind of really launched me. Um, and when they decided to shut down Maker's Market, I just kind of took my little shop and moved it over to Etsy. And I've been doing that ever since. So, um, yeah, and I mean, I've kind of very enthusiastically embraced the online science community, which has been, I think, mutually beneficial. I mean, I think that there are scientists who benefit from meeting some artists yeah. <laughs> and looking at things in a different way. Yeah. And obviously it's very good for me because I get a lot of input into my work and people are always giving me awesome ideas about, you know, things that I could paint or things that I could work on and just things that I should read. So it's just been really, um, it, it's been a, a great thing for me. Yeah, me and that's Michelle cool. swim in the same circles on the internet, and that's how we found each other. We both sort of, you know, cruise around with the scientists and the artists on Twitter, and so it's really, it's a great little community of people, and I do like to fantasize a lot. I don't know who I, uh, I think I put this on my Patreon the other day, but I was, I was thinking about how I, I paint a lot of things, or I make a lot of things that are based on science, but they might not be exactly factually accurate, but they sort of, you know, skate along the edge of of being what's, you know, the what what's the, what would actually look like under a microscope or through a telescope. And my fantasy is that sometime in the future, long after I'm gone, someone's going to look at that piece of art and it's going to like spark this aha moment for them where they're going to get this idea from my art and that that's going to inspire a scientist to come up with the next discovery that's going to change the world or, or make things better. So I do. And why not? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they'll happen. see it and they'll be like, you know, that the particular like rocket that you invented in your <laughs> artwork might actually be the thing that would work, you know, yeah. I mean, or, or yeah, I or didn't my draw sort of like, that cell wall correctly, but that could lead to like someone going, like, that's a way we could get a virus into that cell by using some sort of, you know, I don't know, fluid mechanism. <laughs> I don't know. Why not? Like I mean, uh, you know, but it's interesting that you bring that up because that is something that kind of I think about a lot and that is kind of a constant with my career where there's this back and forth between being artistic with things and being kind of scientifically accurate with things. And uh, I always come down on the side of being artistic, you know, <laughs> because I mean, maybe it's like because I started as an artist. So yeah, I, I, I had a conversation with some other artists who were at the um, the American Society for Microbiology meeting 
last, not this summer, but last summer, and they were sort of, the other artists were basically saying, oh, yeah, yeah, when scientists tell me, you know, that's not quite right, and they're always like, oh, you know, I'm really trying to make everything as scientifically accurate as possible, and my reaction usually is, so what? It's art, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. if you look at a picture of, you know, a a blue horse, you know, you don't sort of think, well, hey, horses aren't that color. You immediately recognize it as a horse anyway. It's not the yeah. point. So, yeah. And then you, you know. can genetically modify a horse and make it blue. And see, we are inspiring science. <laughs> that is our ultimate goal, I think, as, as scientific artists, right? Okay, well, when the blue horses cause the apocalypse, I know who to blame. <laughs> <laughs> there is a guy, there is a, there is a, a science artist named Eduardo Catch who did a... Uh, a green fluorescent bunny. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. with the green fluorescent protein. So, yeah, why mm -hmm. not a blue why horse? Why not a blue horse? I mean, but the point is, it doesn't have to be actually blue for you to make it blue as an artist. You can make it right. blue if you and, want. And, you know, we live in an age where if you need to see something like reference material, you can look it up and there will be yes. thousands of photographs yes. of the thing. And those will be I perfect. am a firm believer that yeah. we need our art to look like art these days. We have, you know, perfect vision and our photographs we have so much accuracy there's information all the information that you need is already on the internet in my opinion what we need is to inspire people to do better and do different things and i think that's where art comes in and that is where art and science can really make a difference i think is inspiring the next generation of whatever it is that's going to be invented yeah so michelle tell me how long have you been doing this did you i think you said 15 years yeah, started about 15 years ago. Is, yeah. is this your full-time job or is it a part-time job? It is my full-time job. I mean, it's not always a um, super profitable full-time job, but it is what it is. So <laughs> I have kind of three or four ways that I make money. Um, Etsy is most of my income now. It's probably about 60 or 70%. And that's been kind of it growing pretty steadily. So I'm pretty happy about that. And... I think that a lot of my success on Etsy has to do with being in that, you know, online community because you need people to share your work. Um, and also being doing something that's a little bit niche, uh, it's easier to find that niche online rather than, you know, if I'm in a gallery or if I'm in a festival, the chances that a scientist who's studying a particular thing is going to wander around and see that are very minimal but the chances that a person who is studying a particular thing is going to find it online are pretty good so it wouldn't have been possible for me to have the career that i have now 20 years ago i mean it just wouldn't have existed right same here yeah me too did you have a question so, bell because i keep interrupting oh you, you stole it <laughs> you've stolen every question i've had so far i was gonna so did you um you mentioned that you used to be a management consultant and then you've been painting for 15-ish years, did you just stop being a management consultant one day and go, you know what, I'm going to paint? Or did you gradually transition over? Or how did that happen? It, it was a little bit weird because it was, it just, life happened. I mean, basically, um, I had, um, I, we, I moved back from Europe and my, while I was kind of thinking about what I wanted to do, my husband got offered a job in Bermuda. So uh, we moved to Bermuda and I was okay. not able to work because I, w I didn't have a work permit. So the combination of kind of, you know, enforced 
idleness and um, on a beautiful island. <laughs> um, and I had kind of been working on some uh, artsy stuff toward the end of my of my management consulting career. So one of the things that I was able to do there, they had a little loophole where you could show your work in galleries. So there was a and it was easy because it's such a small little island and they were always looking for new people. So compared, it was, it was a really lucky break for me in a lot of ways because compared to say, you know, if I had moved to New York and been like, I didn't go to art school and I've never done this before, but I want to show my work, you know, I mean, that might not have gone so well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> it was kind of a, it was kind of a gentle opening for me. And then, so we were there for about a year and a half and, you know, when we got back, uh, moved to DC and I just started sh showing locally here um, and kind of took it from there. Okay. So, so we found the secret to creating an artist basically in this episode. You take someone to a beautiful island and you don't allow them to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> and bam! You're an artist. Congratulations. So Michelle, one of the things you do that I think is super cool, which is I guess I think it's cool because it's kind of like what I do where I take my illustrations and I turn them into something else, which is my jewelry so that I can sell them, you know, so that I have like a product to sell. You have a product that you turn your paintings into. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I put some of my paintings on silk scarves. Uh, I started doing that around 2012. Um, and it was actually one of my, you know, painting customers that had given me the idea. And that's worked out really well. I mean, I have... Uh, it took me a while, you know, to work out how to do it, just like it does anything. I went through a couple different printers. And when I say printers, I don't mean, I mean people, not actual machines. <laughs> so what I do is, I mean, I actually do a, a basically a scarf-shaped painting. Um, and then I get it photographed uh, and, you know, Photoshop it into a little bit better shape. But it is pretty much my art right there. It's not sort of like, I don't sit down at the computer and create it. They're beautiful. They're these really gorgeous scarves and they'll have like cell, cellular designs on them. They're absolutely beautiful. So it's a really, really great idea. And I think that that helps you a lot on Etsy, I would assume. Anyway, do you sell more of your paintings or more of your scarves on Etsy? I definitely sell more scarves. I mean, it's actually, it's funny because it kind of, it, it goes in, in different waves. But the, the scarves are great because... It's a great gift. And, it is. you know, buying a painting from, for someone else is very difficult because, you know, your person's going to have to live with that every day. And, mm -hmm. you know, you really have to understand another person's taste. Um, so I think the scarf is really nice because it's, you know, it doesn't have to fit. And, yeah. <laughs> and that, that, that's a big thing, you know, I mean, and it's a sort of like, it's a small luxury, which makes it a nice gift. And also, since I've been starting to uh, sell my stuff at big science meetings, it's really ideal for science meetings because people are traveling and it's just this little thing that they can fold up and put in the suitcase. And also, it's a kind of conversation starter. I mean, a lot of people have told me that they'll see other people with my scarves, you know, or at meetings and they'll be like, oh, Ortologica, you know, <laughs> or just people will recognize the cell types or whatever. And, you know, they start conversations. So 
Yeah, it's been a really good thing. We are such a perfect team, me and Michelle, I think. We we do so much that's similar, and I it took me so long to actually meet you in person, but I'm so thrilled that I did. And we got to know each other last year at the Cell Biology Conference, right? Yep. What, which conference? Yeah. yeah. And so, so we'll be doing that again this year together. It's in Pennsylvania this year, right? Or Philadelphia? Yes. It's in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Yeah, in December, we're going to get snowed in together in a hotel room somewhere with thousands of other scientists. But we're going to be, you know, selling these little things that, you know, mean so much that have little bits of our art on them and that people can put in their suitcase and take home. It's a business model, you guys that are listening, that really, really works. Like, find your niche audience. Find what something that you love that you're totally okay with doing over and over again, and then turn it into a tiny product that someone can put in their suitcase and they go to conferences. It's like it's it's great. It's it's a great it's a great way to get your stuff out there. And I'm just absolutely thrilled that I finally got to meet Michelle in real life. And because I got to meet her at that cell biology conference, she told me about another conference that we're doing this year, which is the neuroscience conference, which I'm super excited about. And now you went to that last year, right, Michelle? Uh, I actually done it twice before. I, I missed last year, but um, it, it's one of those ones that rotates from city to city. So uh, I did it in D.C. in 2014 and Chicago in 2015. And then it's back to D.C. this year, which is exciting for me because I don't have to schlep all my stuff across the country. Well, um, I do, but, but you I'm do. To you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, it's fine. But the meeting is called the Society for Neuroscience, SFN, and it's an absolute monster. I think it's the biggest science meeting in the world. There are oh 30,000 people. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm going to have to email you when we're done with this podcast and ask you for some advice. Seriously, like when you it, it's it's so enormous, it's just kind of crazy. And they have this sort of uh, they. Just football fields full of people who are trying to sell enormous, you know, microscope systems and all sorts of really high tech, amazing stuff to the scientists. And then there are like five artists. And every. (laughs) And And I'm going to be one. Great though, because I mean, people are really, really into it. Everybody who's at this meeting is just, you know, they're really excited to see something that represents the work that they're doing and, and, you know, in a fun way. And, you know, it's really cool for them. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. And yeah, I just like to, to, you know, echo what Amy's saying. I mean, like we're focused here on science, but uh, I also have a friend who makes stuff out of old books. I mean, she makes like um, pins and jewelry, but also mostly she makes handbags out of them. And one of the ways that she was really successful was going to library conferences. Yeah. You know, I mean, because yeah, it's there's like a you, conference for everything. There's you guys. a conference for everything. Just figure out who your people are, you know. And I also know another friend who did uh, photographs of castles in Scotland and, you know, found out that there are all these places where, like, Scottish people meet in the U.S. <laughs> you know, no, I mean, they have They're like. They're called pubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but there's like, you know, Highland games and whatever and, and right. just different meetings for. So yeah, just try to figure out like where your people are. And also I, another another artist friend who does a lot of stuff with bikes and he does you know great big bike meetings where, you know, thousands and thousands of cyclists get together and you know, those are the people who are going to be likely to buy 
a painting of a bike. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I have uh, two questions. And the first one kind of relates to what you were just talking about, which is Amy just kind of called you the, the show whisperer. Every show yeah. that you tell her to go to is a good one. Yeah. So you mentioned finding your people, but how do you pick shows? Is there a process? Do you have a list? Do you like, ah, oh, that one didn't work out so great. How do you do it? Yeah, it's really trial and error. It is. Yeah. It's hard. You never know. <laughs> it's hard. And I you mean, never know from one year to the next, am I right? Like, you can do really great. At least that's, that's my my findings, is that you'll do really great one year, and then suddenly next year it's not as good, and I don't know why. But some events yeah. are always good. So I'm hoping the science ones stay true. But sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. That's fine. I mean, I do um, I do a lot of art festivals rather than, I think you, you maybe do a little more like cons. Yeah, I do more science fiction, like like sci-fi cons, comic cons, stuff like that. Yeah, the, the, the big thing with outdoor shows is weather, you know? I mean, yeah. like you, basically, you can have an amazing show one year and you just kind of expect that it's going to be amazing every year and then the next year it just rains and nobody shows up you know yeah. <laughs> so um i one of that's one of the reasons frankly why I kind of like even though i'm still doing a bunch of those uh it's not where i want to really put my focus because it's so unpredictable and it's it's stressful you know, not yep. just not knowing and having to fret about, you know, preparing for the weather. So I'm happy doing, you know, Etsy from my living room. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I hear that. but it's really it's really great to still get out and do shows and get your work in front of people and get their personal reaction to it. So I, oh. I think it's it's good to do both. My next question actually relates uh, more to your work which is if you do mostly microbiology, do you work from reference material or do you like look through a microscope while you're painting or what do you do? No, everybody asks me that. I mean, no, I just look at at photos online mostly. I don't have a decent microscope. I have like, uh, you know, a a dinky cheap one. Um, Mm -hmm. So no, I mean, it wouldn't really make sense for me. I would love to do, uh, to be able to go and visit somebody's lab on a regular basis so i should probably work on that but honestly you know like amy said there's so much stuff on the internet um and people really put the best and most beautiful photographs of everything microscopic i mean there's the yeah they put it online so i mean like there's the nikon small world contest they have the most incredible microscopy pictures but there are just like huge libraries of images and uh it's all out there i guess um i've been taking notes this whole time look at me oh my so God. you mentioned that that etsy is like 60 to 70 percent of what you do but you also said there are three or four ways that you make money and i'm guessing the shows is the other big one but um what are some of the other ways and, and you know don't give away your secrets but oh none of it's really a secret i mean i do i guess i really do four things i do etsy i do uh, festivals. I do the sort of science type shows that we're talking about. Um, and then I have, uh, the rest of it is kind of a mix of commissions. Uh, I do painting commissions and, you know, people, and I do things like journal covers and, uh, I've done several book covers and I haven't really kind of set out very much to do that. It's mostly been people who have found me. So that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of a minor source of income for me, but it's really cool. I mean, I enjoy doing that. Because it lets you branch out into things you wouldn't normally do, or? 
Yeah, and it's also just really cool seeing your painting on the cover of a book or a magazine. (laughs) That's just really sort of a thrill. I love commission work because I really, it gets me out of, I tend to get really focused on something. Like, I'm obsessed with these space paintings right now. So, like, I get focused on something, but then a commission job will come in that is, like, something way out in left field that has, like, nothing to do with what I'm working on. And that's what I love about it. I love it. It sort of helps me look at the world in a different way or sort of breaks whatever I'm doing and maybe gives me another idea for what the next series of things is going to be. So commission work is really great. Unless you have, you know, a client from hell and then... Then I'm I'm sorry for you, but that yeah, happens. Those, those, those happen, but <laughs> yeah. no, I mean I I agree with you 100. percent I mean I've definitely people have asked me to do paintings of things that I've never heard of in my life. And yeah, you have to research it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's fun. And, yeah, and some of them I've just you know really incorporated into sort of my my greatest hits. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, one of the things was I did a, a cover last August for Genetics, the journal. Uh, it was for the 50th anniversary of the creation of the gel electrophoresis technique, which is something that's used for a lot of genetics and different scientific um, research. So, and you know, it's like they, they create the, the printout of bands of gel, which you've probably seen. Anyway, so it was really cool visually and it was fun working with that. And it's also something that's recognizable for a lot of people. And that's kind of a sweet spot where you can find something that it's a pattern. So it works artistically, but it's also recognizable as something real scientific. So that's yes. kind of nice. And that, that that has definitely been something that I've done quite a few more of since then. And yeah, I, I also re- pretty recently somebody asked me to do uh, a custom painting for them about what they work on is wound healing, mm-hmm. but how they study it is with the wings of fruit fly embryos. Huh. So if you can even you know imagine something that like tiny, they basically take these little fruit fly embryo wings and they rip them and then they regenerate and it's really amazing and i managed to find a movie of it online of the thing actually regenerating so that really showed me how it was working it was so cool and i mean who even yeah. knows about these things but yeah, yeah. now we all do <laughs> exactly so that's one way we've talked about sort of getting out of a rut is when someone comes at you with a commission piece but do you have any secrets or any advice that you could share about like if you sort of get artist block or you're feeling uninspired is there anything that you have found that helps you get back into making i tend to like sort of revisit things that i've done before when i'm on when i'm blocked i just think oh maybe i should do some more viruses or something yeah. That's so funny that you say that because literally this morning I had to make some neuron necklaces. I have a custom order, this really weird custom order. It's very specific. The guy wants a neuron with a heartbeat and a bluebird flying off in the distance. It's very strange. But while I was working on that, I came across this mold for this baby owl that I had drawn like ages ago. And it was like, oh my God, I should make all these bird things now. Like, it's true. It's like just something that I had done so long ago that I couldn't even I didn't even remember I had done it and I stumbled across it it was like new again so it, yeah the, I, I totally get that feeling of, uh, yeah. of, do, of doing it again like going falling back on sort of the things that I guess 
built our businesses, our little science businesses or our art businesses or whatever, and, and using those as building blocks. That's a great idea. So I've been asking pretty much everybody, not everybody, I didn't ask our last guest this question because she was so awesome and she was so new. Oh, and I'm new. not. Okay. No, you're awesome. <laughs> but you're right. like me. You're a seasoned artist who's been doing this for over a decade. Both of us okay. are the same in this respect. This, okay. this last woman that was on her business was so, so new, I didn't want to ask her because I didn't want to make her feel bad. But have you... <laughs> Have you experienced any negativity online because you're a woman? And if so, how do you deal with that? And do you have any advice for other women that are interested in, in running an online business? You know, honestly, not much. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's good. I guess I've been pretty lucky. So, I mean, I'm, I might just have to punt on that question because, look, I, I mean, I'm online a lot. I'm on Twitter a lot. and. I definitely see what a lot of other women are up against, um, mm -hmm. and I, I I don't envy them, and it's terrible. But I can't say personally I've really experienced a lot of it, so I don't that's know. That's great. That's yeah. good news. That's really it is. great. <laughs> it is. It is. Honestly, I think partly. It may be the fact that I keep my avatar as this little cartoon character all the time, so maybe everybody just thinks of me as this sort of little cartoon character. I don't yes. know. As not as a woman. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. That's actually a good idea. When I was younger, I signed everything just with my initials because I didn't want... Because I knew that um, artwork by men would sell for a higher price in the galleries and stuff like that, so I always just put my initials so people wouldn't automatically know if a man or a woman had painted the painting. And I've been falling back on that. Like Lately, I've been doing a lot of stuff with just my initials again, and that actually might have something to do with it. If you can be a little bit more anonymous online, it actually might help you you know, sort of avoid some of that negativity that you do come, come to experience as a woman online. So if there was one thing that you could do over differently when you were starting up at your business, what would that be? Or do you, do you not have that feeling either? Do you think that everything you did was perfect? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I definitely don't think it was perfect. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know. I mean... I guess it took me a really long time to kind of find a subject that I was really passionate about that worked for me in a sort of commercial way. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not sure that I could have done that much differently to speed that along. So it's, um, I don't know. What about Etsy? Do you have any advice that you could give someone starting up right now about Etsy that would help make their life easier? Well, the main thing that I tell everybody about Etsy is, I mean, there are almost a million sellers on Etsy now. They may be over a million, but you cannot just put your stuff on Etsy and expect people to find it. You have to market the heck out of it. You just have to constantly promote yourself. And yeah. that is hard. And I'm not, I've finally, I've just gotten used to it, but I feel like Maybe I'm in too much of a rut promotionally because I think I use Twitter too much. Um, other people tell me that uh, Instagram is really good. It has not really worked for me, but do you like Instagram? I don't I know. I love I mean, Instagram, but I just love to take pictures. So that's why I love Instagram. Instagram to me is like my playground. Like I post pictures of 
my dogs and pictures of my art and pictures of beautiful things in the garden. Like those are the, th I stick to those three topics. And people say that if you want to promote your art, you should just post your artwork, right? It should just be like your portfolio, your online portfolio. So when you go and you look at it, it's all art. But for me, I can't separate my art from my life. And so I have to post, you know, what I experience and what I see is what feeds into what I make and what I do. And so I love Instagram because I love, I love the, the photographs and I love composing the pictures and, and it's just a really peaceful, happy place that I love. Where Twitter, I'm on Twitter all the time, but it's like kind of a place where I shout and I yell my opinions and I, <laughs> and I'm very, very aggressive politically and, and you know, about feminism. The world is doomed. We're yeah, all going to die. Yeah, that Welcome will to come Florida. out of my mouth on Twitter. That will never come out of my mouth on Instagram. On Instagram, it'll be like, look at this color field of vegetables that I grew. And I'm painting. Here's a detail of a ringed planet that I'm working on. And look, yeah, and then a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then every few, I try to space it out, like, every few photos. Then puppy. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to strongly disagree with the conventional wisdom on Instagram, if that's it, that, that yeah. or even on Twitter, that people who say that you should just promote your art, mm -hmm. I think that's just crazy, because to me, that's just, it's boring. It's, I mean, you, you want, I, I feel like people have this real desire to understand the person behind the art. Mm -hmm. And if you just sort of say, here's what I just painted, here's what I just painted, here's what I just painted, mm -hmm. uh, buy it, right. <laughs> you know? that's, it's, uh, it's not interesting to me. I mean, I want to feel like, I mean, part of the point of social media is getting to know these people. And I feel like, you know, you and I really got to know each other yeah, online. We I did. mean, it was uh, not just sort of like, Oh, I know who you are and I know what you paint. I mean, we, you know, we yeah. knew stuff about each other's lives. And yeah. I, I think that that's important. Um, but true. going back to the question of Etsy too, I mean, I think it's, I mean, there's, there, there are lots of things out there for people who are getting started. There are a lot of good kind of um, articles that you can read about, you know, it's important to tag and all that stuff, but I think it's important to describe your work and, one of the things that I find that people sometimes don't do when they're new, um, they just don't really know how to describe their work. And I get that it's difficult and I'm probably just, you know, I have years of experience, so I'm getting better at it. Um, but you need to really think about what a person wants to know when, you know, they're reading the description. So it's, you know, num the picture is kind of number one, two and three. The photographs, I mean, we we're talking about a really, you know, we're in a visual medium. Mm -hmm. um, we're trying to sell something that people are going to want because they like the way it looks. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also getting across the meaning behind it is in the words is, is really important, too. So I think people need to work on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's this is something that because I make I make videos. That's kind of my thing. And. Like I'm, I'm happy with where my video editing is, but there's this whole like meta game on top of that with the tagging and the descriptions and whatnot, because I want to attract people who might not know who I am, who are just searching for whatever it is and they find it and search runs on text. And so if your text right. is bad, no one's ever going to find you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, 
I'm tagging my stuff on Etsy, infectious disease, you know? I mean, it's like... Infectious disease is definitely not going to show up as one of those top search terms on Etsy. Right. It's not. But for the particular little niche audience that I'm looking for, hey, yeah, they're going to say, I have a friend who's an infectious disease researcher. What could I get him for Christmas? You yeah. know? <laughs> like, or that's just, yeah, something like that. I mean, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's you think about how people are going to find you. It's really important. Because it's a big damn internet out there. And on that note of finding you, can you tell everyone the name of your shop and where people can find you online? Uh, yeah, well, I'm online. I'm Artologica. That's A-R-T-O-L-O-G-I-C-A. And you can find me at artologica.etsy.com. Uh, I also have a Redbubble shop now where I sell things like... Um, mugs and clocks and t-shirts with some of my art on them um i'm pretty sure our hotel uh what what did we have like a sleepover where we did our nails and we talked about how you should be on red bubble and then you told me (laughs) that i should do that fabric website which i still haven't done yet what what oh yeah uh, spoon flower spoon flower i want to do that too spoon flower i don't know man i don't know have you done you do it right I did. Um, I've actually like taken all my stuff off sale oh, on okay. Spoonflower. Okay. And here's here's a thing that we could talk about because I discovered that people were buying quarter yards of my fabric um, and using it to put it in quilts. Yeah. And I was kind of like, huh. I mean, honestly, <laughs> if somebody wants to buy ten yards of my petri dish fabric and make a ball gown, I'm totally cool with that. But I, you know, there's a certain point where the artist says, I'm not going to give up this control. And I really didn't like my, the idea of my stuff being cut up and put into quilts. I just didn't like that. (laughs) So, um, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like, you're, you're cutting it up. But there's some amazing (laughs) quilts out there. There, I have seen some quilts that will blow your mind. Some quilts that look like MC Escher drawings that are like, three-dimensional and amazing so i don't know no i don't know maybe no shame on the quilt wrong. makers out there because <laughs> oh look i'm not trying to shame quilt makers i guess i just like i said i no, mean I artists have a, have a right to decide where their you know yeah. where their line is i mean like right you know so on red bubble, do i want to put you... my stuff on a thong you know i mean maybe not <laughs> on red bubble then do you are you picky about what items that you put your stuff on does it bother I am. you? You are? Okay. I am, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I have a pretty limited selection, mostly because I don't make prints of my work, so I don't sell anything that's kind of can be construed as a print, gotcha. you know, on paper. Gotcha. So they yeah. have options for doing that um, and, you know, stickers and stuff like yeah. that. So, yeah, I don't sell I any of that. I put my stuff on because... everything. <laughs> like, I don't care what it is. You want to put it on diapers? Knock yourself out. You're going to send me 50 cents? I'm in. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're different in that sense. But that's it for yeah, questions I mean, that I you have. Know, so. There are some people who, you know, I mean, health, you got people who would never consider putting their artwork on a scarf and yeah. I'm, I'm totally happy with that it's just everybody has their different line right. so yeah well it's and it's good that you get to retain control over that kind of thing 
So thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's do some recommendations for our listeners. Do you have anything that you'd like to recommend? One of the things that I read over the past year that really influenced me was Ed Young's book about the microbiome. It's called I Contain Multitudes. And what I, I really was inspired by this because one of the things that he does is to look at a whole bunch of research that's been done on microbiology. I mean, over, over quite a bit of time, but a lot of it is pretty recent. Um, and really puts it in a bigger picture and talks about how, you know, we're now starting to see that microbes, you know, it's not just sort of something that makes you sick. Um, they're a part of us. They're a part of, you know, the air, the water, that everything you eat. Um, and that having a huge community of them living in you and on you at all times is completely normal. Mm-hmm. So that really um, inspired some paintings that I did. I, I, I did a big piece called Hosts and Invaders um, that was kind of just directly inspired by reading the book. That was, um, you know, that this whole idea that you're, you're, it's almost like you're a society. You're, you're, <laughs> you're an environment, you're a society, and that you have all these things, uh, the microbes that are living in you and on you. and a lot of them are just friendly and chill and then certain ones will come along and either try to invade and take over from the the nice ones and you know how we have different it, it all just kind of like made itself into a medieval fantasy is all i can say <laughs> <laughs> all right so i have a recommendation that's based on michelle's artwork literally okay, Ooh, okay. so she, another, another thing that she does which is really cool is paintings of brains. You do these brain prints, and they're like, they like look like they have other things in them, right? Yeah, it's essentially you, a, a sort of slice of the brain, but it, they're compared to a lot of my. And I said prints, they're but paintings, they're paintings. Yeah, so I say, compared to a yeah. lot of my other work, they're very sort of fanciful and, and metaphorical. So it's more like, you know, they might have a something that looks more like a tree or like flowers or something, and yeah. Um, yeah. So just yeah. based on metaphors about how we think, really. Right. So we're going to be doing this neuroscience event together. And so I've been doing research and looking at what other artists have been making that have to do with the brain. And, you know, Michelle's work popped up. And another thing that popped up while I was searching was this really cool art project that was done in Canada that's actually should be happening in real life right now. So if you go to brainproject.ca... There is a project uh, where they're trying to help fund research for Alzheimer's disease, basically, and help make sure that no brain goes blank. So they got a whole bunch of artists together to oh, do yeah, sculptures of the brain. Yeah, yeah. Super yeah cool. and they look a lot like Michelle's paintings. Some of them do. So there's all these different designs that artists have done, and they're amazing and so creative. And you know, some of them will have trees, and some will have flowers, and some will just have designs, and they're all these different things. And if you go to the website, which we'll link to in the show notes, and you're in Canada, in Toronto specifically, they're on display all over the city, and there's a place where you can click on it and find a brain, and it'll tell you the locations of where the sculptures are on display for the summer. So hopefully there's still time to see them in real life, and if not, or if you you know don't live there, like most of us don't, then you can look online, and there's examples of all these really, really cool brain designs that all these different artists came up with, and it's amazing to see you know the variety, and it's just really, it's really cool. So check that out. That's my recommendation. 
Bill, what do you got? Okay, so mine is a little bit more uh, business-related this week. I found a blog talking about um, someone who basically got pulled into a multi-level marketing scam and then made their way back out and describes their experience. And if you are not familiar, multi-level marketing is uh, its basically a pyramid scheme, but they actually sell something. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the idea. It's like so super if, fruit juice, and you have to sell it to your friends because you're forced into buying like right. cases uh, yeah, of okay. it. And, yeah, and yeah, if you don't or, sell so many cases to your friend, then you have to pay for those cases. And it, it basically only the top people make money. Yeah, and this one in particular, was a, it was a makeup company. And this woman is based in the UK, and she was talking about how her friend was posting on social media about how successful she was and how great it was going. And so she kind of got sucked into it mm-hmm. and spent money that she didn't have. And... After doing this for months, she managed to sell what was left at a huge discount and just barely break even. Mm-hmm. And she also cites the fact that in these multi-level marketing scams, upwards of 99% of people who get involved lose money. Mm-hmm. Right. It's only because the top the, level. Yeah. People. The primary customers of the scam are the people who are trying to perpetuate the scam. Yes. So if you're buying in, it's because you're you're the customer. They're selling stuff to you. Right. Anyway, it's... um. The address is notquitefairytalesblog.com. <laughs> it's well written and it was good to read. And it's just, it's a reminder of something that we've talked about on the show before, which is it's the difference between having a business and having a piece of someone else's business. Because a lot of these scams like to talk about, oh, you know, you would have your own business. It's your own independent business, but it's not because they, if you really own a business, you can sell that business when you're done with it. Okay. But if this other company owns the the branding and the products and the trademarks, you can't, you know, that's not a real thing. There's no equity there. It's mm-hmm. just you're selling somebody else's stuff for them. So they call it a business, but it's it's not. Anyway, it was a fascinating read, and I encourage you all to go check it out. Cool. So, Michelle, one more time before we wrap up the show, why don't you tell us where everybody can find you? So, um, basically, you can Google Artologica is probably the easiest thing, uh, but Perfect. Artologica.etsy.com. Um, and if you're in the D.C. area, you can find my schedule online because I'm doing several events around here. So if you want to come see me in person, you can do that. You can find me on all social media is at Surly Amy. And you can go to SurlyRemix.com. It's a portal to everything that I create. And you can find me on your social media platform of choice at One Car Workshop. All right. So that's it for this week. If you're listening to the show on iTunes, please take a moment to leave us a rating and tell us what you think. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Makers Hustle. If you want to ask a question, give feedback, suggest a show topic, or have angry comments about quilts, you can contact us (laughs) on social media or send an email to info at makershustlepodcast.com. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We really do love having you here. And while this show might be over, the hustle hustle never never stops. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Michelle. Bye.